Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of What is a Podcast, the podcast where the hosts may be more influential than you think. You might think that this is just a regular guy talking to you right now, and that's true for the most part, but I had a situation where I think is a little bit more than a coincidence. So I made a video on my YouTube channel about a month ago at time of recording about Bay Area slang. I'm from the Bay Area. I speak the slang. I talk the talk. I walk the walk, right? And if you're familiar with Vanity Fair, they have a series where celebrities describe the slang from the place that they're from. So it could be like, England or, you know, Kentucky or Mexico or wherever, wherever the celebrity is from, they break down the slang terms and give you give you a good laugh or two. But there was none for the Bay Area. And we have our fair share of celebrities, but there was none for the Bay Area. So I decided to make my own, you know, a shittier version of that Vanity Fair video. But I decided to make my own. And a month later, Vanity Fair comes out with their own Bay Area slang video. And I don't have solid proof that I influenced them, but I like to think that I did influence them. And I like to think that someone at Vanity Fair saw my video, saw that it got like 20 views, and then even though I'm no competition to them, they think we gotta get on this, this person is right, we should have a Bay Area slang video, let's get on it. And they got E-40, one of the legends. Um, Where I grew up, E-40 is, you know, highly revered. So they got E-40 to break down the Bay Area slang. E-40 is from Vallejo. I live in Vallejo. So it was a real good time. And I'm not mad at them. I'm not saying that they stole my idea because I stole their idea, technically. I'm not mad at it. I just think that it's funny that they did it about a month after, after I did it. And I think I like to think that I had something to do with it because you never know who's watching. Like I've gotten messages from companies, um, including like MTV, people like that, that like want to use my shit or like can like like my shit. You never know who's watching out there. So I think I'm more influential than I might think. And maybe I'll continue to snowball through this path of influence and maybe one day be kind of important in this world. But anyway, I want to talk about a couple things and I realize it's probably going to be pretty gamer heavy. So apologize or apologies if you're not really a gamer in that sense of the word. Um, But I really have a couple of things that I want to talk about that are related to video games, are related to gaming in general. Um, and the first one that I want to talk about that I could probably talk the most about is Pokemon. Um, I'm sure you know what Pokemon is. The little Japanese monster babies that, you know, you catch and you make them dogfight, essentially. Um, that's my favorite game. The dogfighting game, the, the one where you catch monster babies and make them spit fire and ice at each other. That's my favorite game. My favorite video game of all time is the Pokemon series. And I am not a hardcore gamer at this point in my career. 
or my life. I don't like play every video thing that comes out. I don't play on Xbox. I don't play PS4. I have a Nintendo Switch that I bought specifically for Pokemon. And like when I buy or when I got the Nintendo DS and then the Nintendo 3DS, all those things specifically for Pokemon. Right now on my Nintendo Switch, I have Pokemon, I have Zelda, Breath of the Wild, and I have Mario Odyssey. And those games are good and they look really good, but really I want Pokemon. I got Pokemon Let's Go Eevee for the Nintendo Switch and we're good to go. That's all I need until Pokemon Sword and Shield, which comes out in November 2019. I'm just waiting for that at this point. And I've talked about Pokemon in a lot of previous podcasts and I think my most successful podcast on YouTube not necessarily my my most successful podcast overall, but the one that has the most views on YouTube is um, about Pokemon and the Pokemon community um, and a person that goes by the King Nappy. Um, that's like my most viewed on YouTube. So there is an audience for this. And Pokemon is one of the highest grossing video game franchises of all time. So I think there is some type of audience for this. But really, what I wanted to talk about is the Pokemon National Dex. And if you know Pokemon, but you don't know what the National Dex is, I'll go through it really quickly. So basically, when Pokemon creates a new game, they have new Pokemon, of course. But with the previous games, people have their favorite Pokemon from previous games. So... If you play Red and Blue and you like your Pikachu, your Bulbasaur, your Pidgeotto, and you want to take those to your Gold and Silver game, you can transfer them from one game to another because the National Dex is the Pokédex, the Pokémon Index, that basically just has all the Pokémon in the National Dex, in that Pokédex. So you can transfer whatever Pokémon from your previous games from your old game to the new game so you can play with your favorite Pokémon, right? And in this new game, Pokemon Sword and Shield, they're getting rid of that feature. A feature that they've had for a while, they're getting rid of it. And what that means, essentially, if you're like a too long didn't read, essentially, it means that you can't use all 800, 900, 1000 Pokemon that exists in the new Pokemon games. You can use probably like 500 to 600, maybe 700 of those Pokemon. I don't know yet. The game isn't out yet. But you can't use every single Pokemon that exists in the game. And the reason is, you know, there's a lot of Pokemon. They wanted to make it specific to the region because every Pokemon game has a region attached to it. The first four generations were based on Japan. Then they had a game based in America, based off of New York. Then they had one based off of France. They had one based off Hawaii. This next one is based off England. And they said, you know, they want to make it more localized to England, make sure that all the Pokemon that are in the region actually make some type of sense in the region. And those other Pokemon are going to get cut out. They also cited that they need to make quality animations for the Pokemon. And working hard on those animations takes time and they don't want to program every single Pokemon and have shittier animations rather than have all the Pokemon and then or have less Pokemon and have great animations that go along with the game, right? 
That was the reasoning for cutting out maybe 200, any, I say anywhere from 200 Pokemon to half of the existing Pokemon are going to get cut out from this game. And I was like, okay, whatever, I don't really care. But Pokemon fans are livid. And they've been livid. And I haven't, I've been trying not to go so deep into this because it's just going to make me upset. And I will say that I am not mad on this. There's a hashtag on Twitter, bring back the national decks. And they're spamming anything Pokemon related from the official Pokemon account with that hashtag. And I haven't gone deep into that on Twitter because it's not worth my time to go into these things that I disagree with and then just call people idiots all day. Like, it's not worth my time. I have important things to do during the day. I'm not going to call every person who I think is an idiot an idiot. It's just it's just not worth it for me. But I feel like in this climate of the internet, it feels like because I'm still excited for the new game and a lot of people are upset about these new games, it almost feels like as a Pokemon fan, and I call myself a Pokemon fan, not necessarily someone in the Pokemon community because Pokemon like isn't my life in that way. Um, and I, it, it is the only game I play like seriously, but Pokemon is not my like main driving thing in life as it is with some other people some other people like pokemon is life or the video game is life or whatever that's not me so i don't really consider myself pokemon community just a pokemon fan but i feel a little bit alienated from other pokemon fans and a lot of the complaints outside of like half potentially half of the pokemon getting cut from the game like people are mad about that cuz potentially their favorite pokemon might not be might not make the cut for the game, right? I've made peace with the fact that my favorite pokemon might get cut from the game. I don't really care that much, but some people are like crying over this, right? But secondly, people got mad about the animations because Pokemon put out an unfinished demo, and I repeat, unfinished demo about the game like they for E3 I believe they put put out like this unfinished demo just to get a feel of what they're thinking for the game they're not finished yet but this is what the game is going to look like more or less and people took that unfinished demo and decided that that was going to be the final product from the game and of course the unfinished demo didn't have the full animations or any you know tweaks to the to the graphics or anything like that and people took that and said they're being lazy. Game Freak, which is a company that makes Pokemon, is being lazy. They don't care about fans. They only care about money. And me, in my heart, I'm not going to call a video game developer lazy. I'm not going to call the people who work presumably for a long time on a product. I'm not going to call them lazy. I'm not going to say that they cut corners without me buying the game first, without playing the game first. I'm not going to do that. And of course, like it's like a double-edged sword. I don't know if I use that phrase right, but I can say like you have to buy the game to see if it's good or not. You can't always judge off of previews to see if something is good or not. But then you have the counter argument like, I don't want to waste money on something that I already think is bad, that type of thing. But I'm not willing to call 
these people working hard in Japan. I'm not willing to call them lazy. And especially in Japan, like this isn't like something that I see、um, mentioned in the discourse, but like Japan has a problem or has had a problem with like overworking people and people staying in the office for like 20 hours or something like that. So. I'm not gonna tell them stay in the office and work overtime. Like, Japan has a problem with that, and I, I'm not gonna be insensitive like that.、Um, but anyway, people are mad about that. And it felt like to me, because when we got the first trailer for the games, like, we got the first trailer for Pokemon Sword and Shield a long time ago, earlier this year. Everyone was excited. Literally, everyone who liked Pokemon. Whether that was casually or hardcore, everyone was excited. Whenever the trailer dropped, everyone was excited. Then the National Dex news dropped that there was going to be no National Dex. We're working with less Pokemon in this game. And then people started nitpicking and getting upset. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. For me, you liked this until there was one thing that you didn't like. And then all of a sudden, you think everything about the game is bad. And it just it felt off to me. It didn't feel right to me. I felt like this, the reaction to this was idiotic. And I don't want to call people idiots, but that's just what I think. Like, I see this and I'm like, you're an idiot. And I, it's not fair for me to call you an idiot because you disagree with an opinion on a kid's game at the end of the day. But that's just how I feel. And I feel like. Because I'm excited for this game, people are like, oh, you're just like a defender of Game Freak. You're going to defend them whether they put out a shitty product or not. That's not what I'm saying. If the game is bad, I'll say that it's bad. But I like Pokemon more than any other video game, so I'm not going to skip out on the game. You can skip out on the game if you want, but I'm not going to skip out on that fucking game. And for me, I did a little bit of research, and before going in, before watching some videos, I had the mindset that I'm okay with less Pokemon if they give me a good product of a game. And what I saw in the trailers was a good product of a game. So that was my mindset. And I watched a video、um, by a guy named Loxton on YouTube.、Um, I believe his channel is called Loxton and Noggin. Maybe I'll link it. In the, the podcast notes, if I remember, which I might not. It's 11 40 p.m. when I'm recording this, so I might not. But I was watching that video, and he does a lot of like Pokemon theories and like the lore behind Pokemon and the meaning behind certain Pokemon. And he was going into Game Freak's shortcomings, like the developer of Pokemon games' shortcomings. And what I didn't know. Like, I knew that Game Freak had problems with coding efficiency. Like, back in the day when Pokemon Gold and Silver, which was the second Pokemon、um, series to come out,、um, they had problems programming everything. Like, they had problems programming everything that they wanted in the game, right? And they weren't going to like, finish it. They had, a, they had issues with deadlines, and they weren't going to finish Pokemon Gold and Silver. And then a magical man named Satoru Iwata, he figured out how to program everything efficiently. They got Pokemon Gold and Silver finished. They fit all the extra content that they needed into the game, and they were able to release Pokemon Gold and Silver, right? That's basically what it is. And I thought, 
okay, they, they had problems originally back in the day, back 20 years ago with programming, but Iwata taught them how to program. And Satoru Iwata is, um, he passed away a few years ago, so may he rest in peace. But apparently, they didn't learn from their mistakes 20 years ago. According to this video from Loxton, like Game Freak has problems with efficiency in their game. And they'll code, instead of coding one thing to be used multiple times, they'll code multiple things to be used one time. So in Pokemon, say you have a Pikachu. Instead of coding one Pikachu to show up 20 times, they'll code 20 Pikachus to show up one time each. And potentially, I'm not an expert on coding. I'm not an expert on computer science. I'm never claiming to be that. But what was an issue with the previous Pokemon games, Pokemon Sun and Moon, Pokemon Ultra Sun and Moon, was how laggy they were. Like, they were great games, in my opinion, but they pushed the Nintendo 3DS to the maximum capacity, so the games ran a little slow, and the frame rates dropped every once in a while. I just took a sip of water, excuse me. Um, and maybe when Loxon said that they had problems with efficiency and coding at Game Freak, I was thinking, oh, maybe that's why these games are laggy. It's not that they're so high quality that they're just on the verge of breaking the system. It's that they put too much in the game, so you're on the verge of overloading what the system can handle. And if that's true, that's just what I assumed from that, but I didn't know that was the case. And if that's the case... Um, maybe Game Freak could use some, some shaking up. Um, I know that, um, Junichi Masuda, who's like the head honcho over at Game Freak, I think he said he was like, after Sword and Shield, he was stepping out from like running the Pokemon franchise because Pokemon, they, or Game Freak, they do more than just Pokemon, but Pokemon is what makes the big bucks. Um, and I don't know if after he steps down or after he moves to a different position, if they're going to, you know, shake things up or maybe have better coding. But that's something that's a valid criticism. And if the game Sword and Shield is lackluster in certain animations or frame rate or anything like that, and we know that the coding is subpar then yeah, that's something to be concerned about. And it made me think also about how easily Pokemon has been hacked. Like when games are released, like when demos are released, like people can hack into the demo and see all the Pokemon that exist before they're officially released. And the only way that you can do that is if you open yourself up to do that. Like if Pokemon like locked up their coding better, I'm assuming, they wouldn't get data mined, they wouldn't get hacked, and we wouldn't get all these Pokemon, all this information leaked early. But every Pokemon game for the past several years, like a lot of things have been leaked early because people data mine, people hack, people can get different stats of different Pokemon and see different characters, things like that. So it's definitely an issue with Game Freak, and if the game is lackluster and it might and it's a coding issue then yeah, then something needs to change over at Game Freak. But I'm not going to say that the game is going to be bad 
because I don't play Pokemon necessarily super competitively. Like I do battle, I do do that, but I'm not like a serious Pokemon player. I don't care if the game is easy or hard. I just like to catch Pokemon, I like to relax, and I like to enjoy the fun story and involve my Pokemon. That's what I like to do. I'm not going to say, oh, this game is too easy, this game is too hard. If you want to make the game harder, you can make the game harder. There's different ways to do that. But it just makes me, I just, I'm so frustrated with the game that I love because the people surrounding it are being so, for lack of a better word, toxic. Like, anything related to Pokemon, people are just talking about Sword and Shield is gonna suck. You don't know that. But they're saying Sword and Shield is gonna suck. They're saying bring back the National Dex. They're not saying anything of substance. All the conversations are unproductive. And me, like, what I want to do, what I want to is just insult them. Like, that's unproductive too. So, like, I just feel very frustrated with the game that's like been a large part of my life like I'm one of those people I'm not the only one I'm sure but like since I was born in 94 like I basically learned how to read on Pokemon whether it was the Pokemon TV show or the Pokemon um game Pokemon Blue version which was my first video game ever um whether it was either one of those like I basically learned how to read on that shit so It's been a major part of my life and I can't just like give it up. But I feel like a lot of people are just on the verge of stopping playing the main series Pokemon games. And that makes me upset because Pokemon is something that I like and I want other people to like it too. And I found like on the internet, like most of the the shit that I watch on YouTube is like Pokemon showdown, competitive battles things like that. And I that's something that I'm interested in. I don't want that to die out anytime soon, but I feel like the Pokemon community is not in a good place right now. And it wasn't in a good place the last time I talked about this in depth with the King Nappy in that situation. Um, but I'm not going to get into that situation because I talked about that ad nauseum. But at the end of the day, I feel like If you're cutting a certain feature of a game, whatever game it was, Loxton also mentioned that other games that are similar to Pokemon that like catch creatures and you train them and you battle with them, they've done the same thing Pokemon has done already. Like they've cut out certain Pokemon from their games so that it runs more efficiently and they can do more things with their games. I don't play any of those games, so I'm just going to take his word for it. But excuse me. But I feel like if that's what you need to do to create a better product, then do it. And I feel like people who are crying about it, I feel the word entitled is being thrown around a lot in the Pokemon community. And I just want to say this as a final thought for this. Just because you feel that your entitlement is justified doesn't mean that you're not entitled. Just because you think that you're right doesn't mean that you're entitled um but yeah and you're welcome to criticize i'm not saying never criticize the things that you like that's i don't want you to ever get that impression from me um but i just feel like this conversation that's been being had on the internet surrounding pokemon is just sad and not very productive in any way and it and it makes me sad at the end of the day And it sucks to be sad over a video game, but such is life in 2019. But anyway, 
I wanted to talk more about esports. Pokemon is almost an esport, like competitive, VGC, whatever. But I wanted to talk about this Fortnite championship from $3 million. A guy named Booga is like his screen name. And Booga is a 16-year-old Fortnite champion. And he was at like the Fortnite World Cup or whatever. And he won $3 million at the tournament. And people are talking about is, you know, this a viable career choice, all that stuff. But what also is, you know, coming up, and this comes up a lot, is are esports real sports? Are video games, professional video game players, real sports? And I've always said no. Like, I feel like a sport has to have more athletics than playing video games does like I don't think poker is a sport either like just because I show it on ESPN doesn't mean that it's not a sport there's just no other place to play to watch poker other than ESPN on the World Series of Poker so they show it there but that doesn't mean it's not a that doesn't mean that it is a sport I don't think poker is a sport either but I think that the best argument for saying that esports are not sports. And I don't want you to take this to say that professional video game players don't work hard or anything like that. But if you're training in basketball, football, baseball, hockey, tennis, golf, anything like that, if you're training in any of those things, you're making your body stronger. You're running, you're lifting weights, you know, you're practicing drills, you're making your body stronger. And people will agree that you know exercise is healthy for you in order to get good at video games you have to play or not to get good at video games to get professional level good you have to play at what people might consider an unhealthy amount right like if you're gonna be the world's best Fortnite player you can't just play for an hour a day you have to practice hours and hours and hours you have to go and really grind. And I respect that grind. But if I'm your mom, right, if I'm your mom or your dad, and you're my kid, and I see you play Fortnite for eight hours a day, I'm going to be concerned. Like, are you exercising? Are you eating healthy? Are your eyes okay? Because you've been staring at a screen all day? Like, have you moved your legs, blood clots? What are you eating? Are you drinking Mountain Dew and eating Doritos? Like, that's not healthy. It's not healthy. And I had a roommate. Quick story time. When I was in college, I had a roommate. I didn't know him beforehand. But we, you know, we shared a room in an apartment. And we went to the same school. So it was easy. But um, I had a roommate. And he started off cool. He played League of Legends. Fortnite wasn't around when I was in college. Um... I graduated in 2016, so this was about 2015 that I met this dude, maybe 14, um, but he played League of Legends, and it started off, he would play League of Legends before bed, which I was fine with, and it grew to a point where he was playing League of Legends literally from the time he woke up, so let's say he woke up at 12, 12 noon, he would wake up at noon, he would play League of Legends until five in the morning. He would eat once during that day. He smelled like shit. His parents would bring him food like fresh food from like Trader Joe's. He wouldn't eat it. It would go bad. There would be like fruit flies and shit and all that for that game. 
And that's an extreme example. He eventually like dropped out of school and I'm sure he was a smart kid. I don't know what he's doing now, but like his parents were like, enough is enough. You're, you're, you're gross now. Like you need to come home. You can't, you can't be here in this environment because you're not doing your homework. All you're doing is playing games all day. Um, and I feel like if you're going to be like a pro gamer, you have to play games all day. I remember a tweet a long time ago or like earlier this year where it was like a professional gamer was like, my parents were worried about me because I didn't kiss any girls and I didn't do any social events, but now I'm making money playing video games, jokes on them. But is the joke on them? Like, I feel like parents being concerned about you not having, you know, a social life or like playing video games all day and appearing to isolate yourself. I mean, those are valid concerns. I think nowadays you can play online with people, you know, with Wi-Fi connection, Xbox Live, all that stuff. So you don't actually have to be alone. You are communicating with people a lot of times. Um, And I know a lot of like racism goes down on there, but you also can make legitimate friends and online companions and you can you know go up together and play games play call of duty whatever you play i don't really play any of those games but if you appear to isolate yourself and i'm your parent that's concerning to me and it's not what's considered healthy and i feel like the odds of being like a pro gamer are probably similar to the odds of being a pro athlete and there are benefits to gaming like problem solving skills um really strong thumbs um that's about it that i can think of off the top of my head um and i guess teamwork if you play a team game like call of duty or like duos in fortnite but it's just, I think that it's valid to be concerned if you're training to be a pro gamer, especially if you're not telling anyone. If you just decide, I'm going to go pro and you're going to work hard at gaming, it it might be concerning. Like, I had dreams of being a pro baseball player at one point. And I'm sure lots of kids had dreams of being a pro athlete at one point. And they might be in the gym or they might be, you know, running or doing push-ups and all that stuff. And even though that is isolating in a similar way, you're training your body. It's exercise, right? Gaming is not exercise. So being a pro gamer, while it's cool if you can do it, I see why people would have concerns about you trying to do it. And I mean, there are positives. Like a lot of pro gamers are hot now. I remember talking about Tifu and like FaZe Clan a few months ago, maybe, when they had their whole like falling out. I'm still not completely sure how that situation ironed itself out, but like Tifu had a hot girlfriend. Um and like the dude who runs like FaZe or whatever, he has a hot girlfriend. And like gamers are hot now, which is cool because I wouldn't say that I had been made fun of for liking games. I don't know anyone who got made fun of for liking video games. But people definitely got made fun of if they were obsessed with video games. And typically the people who were obsessed with video games weren't like the coolest people. But there are people now who are pro gamers who are like, who are cool. Um, And I don't know if like streaming on Twitch makes you a pro gamer or not. But it does, you know, seem like a lot of Twitch streamers, a lot of people making money off games are like legitimately cool. 
like legitimately like handsome and influential and charismatic and that's not always been the stereotype and i think the stereotype is starting to shift especially like it's i wouldn't say gender equality in games is where it could be but there are a lot of girls who know stream on twitch and play competitively um a lot of girls who are you know being successful in the video game space so there's room for a lot of people in video games so that's a good part of it but also i want to talk about this booga kid winning three million dollars at 16 like again he's probably trained for hours and hours and hours and he probably he definitely deserves all that money but I wonder what school is like for that kid, if he even goes to school. He might be homeschooled, I don't know. But I feel like school for him, it's either really amazing and he's popular, or it sucks and people just are like hounding him for his money, or that kid doesn't go to school. I feel like if I was 16 and I got $3 million, I'm sure my parents would want me to go to school, but like, I don't know if I would go to school. (laughs) Like... I feel like a 16-year-old that comes up on $3 million out of nowhere, like, he he might not go to school ever again. Like, he might drop out and invest that money and do all that stuff. I don't know if I would go to school if that happened to me. I mean, I didn't go to school a millionaire, so I, I can't, you know, vouch for that. But, yeah, I, I don't know if I would go to school. And it's like, does, like what, is his, what do his grades look like? I want to know what that kid's grades look like. Because I find it hard to believe you're playing video games at a rate that lets you be the best in the world. And I can't imagine you have time to do homework. I, I, I don't believe it. At 16, you're probably like a junior in high school. That's the hardest year. Taking SATs and ACTs. And are you in any honors classes? You're taking pre-calculus, algebra 2 maybe, U.S. history. Uh, all those like hard classes like Spanish 3. Like, I don't, I want to know what that kid's grades look like, because I have a feeling that he's not getting straight A's. And that's not an insult to him. It's just, I don't see how you can balance those two things. Um, And another thing I was thinking about is just, um, he won $3 million from this tournament. And people were saying like, oh, there's money in gaming, all this stuff. I don't know how, um, how much second place got, like, if second place got a million dollars, I doubt it. I'm sure second and third place got something, but I don't think they got anywhere close to that three million. But that dude may never win another tournament again. I mean, he he might be just consistently really good, but I don't know if that kid is ever going to win, you know, that money again. He might not ever win another tournament again. Like, I don't think we can call this a stable career choice. It's a career choice if you know you expand it, you do YouTube and Twitch and become like a video game personality and all that stuff. But that dude may never win again. And then how long is that three million going to last if you never win again? And I'm sure there's taxes on it just like the lottery is. But like, in professional sports, like baseball, football, basketball, hockey, like those guys make $3 million a year. Like you don't even have to be the best. You can be an average player making $3 million a year. Like the best players make way more than $3 million a year. Like just easily. That's in their contract, $3 million a year. Bobby Monia, who hasn't played in forever, he's still making a million a year because of his contract. Like 
These things are not uncommon in the professional sports world. But for him and for these guys, like you're making, I don't know how much you make on Twitch or YouTube and all that stuff, but that $3 million is an outlier. Like before we say like there's all this money in gaming, let's think only one guy got that $3 million. Like on a football team, on a basketball team, on a baseball team, like most of those guys are getting $3 million times 10 by the time their career is over so i don't know how reliable that income is especially when it comes to paying taxes Uh, i'm sure he has to put a lot of that to the government just because they're not gonna let you keep three million dollars that's just that's just how it is um but i'm happy for him and i think it's great that he you know is the best in the world booga his name is Kyle Booga something. I want to say it's Booga Williams, but at the same time, I feel like I just made up a random football player called Booga Williams, and that's where my mind went to. But, yeah, it's just, I don't think that we can call it sports, and I don't think we can call it a viable career choice at this time. I mean, I guess it's no different than, like, being a YouTuber or being, like, a celebrity or a famous singer like the I feel like the the odds of making it big are about the same, but I feel like people have been saying that this could be a viable career choice when they're not looking at the details, they're just seeing that one kid got three million dollars one time for winning the whole tournament. We don't know how much those other tournament people got, and I don't think people are like taking into account the training that the video games you know how much training it needs to be good at video games and also video games change like they come out with new versions of the video game so you could be the best at call of duty 2 and then call of duty 3 comes out and you suck at it and then what you have to find a different game you have to get good at a different game like there's so many factors there like rules change in football baseball basketball all the time but they don't change the game (laughs) like they don't change the whole game like other sports only make like minor rule changes at a time you have to get a whole new game and learn different mechanics and different buttons and that like every year or two so it's a lot more unstable than i think people are realizing and yeah i just i don't think it's sports i don't think poker is a sport either i don't think like gambling is a sport so i don't think that's an insult i don't think that saying esports is not sports is an insult it's competitive it's it's compelling i don't necessarily watch those things but people love it people eat that shit up now it's not saying that it's not good entertainment i'm not saying it's bad tv or anything like that i'm just saying that you're it's not sports you're a team it's a competition you know you're in you can call yourself an e-athlete like they're already calling it e-sports, call yourself an e-athlete or an e-team or whatever. Um, but I just don't think it's sports. I really don't. I mean, I watch sports every day. I watched a baseball game before I before I started rec- recording this. Like I watch sports and I feel like I know what sports are and I feel like playing video games competitively is not a sport. Because if I was playing a video game casually, like, I'm playing Pokemon, I'm sitting on the couch playing Pokemon. You wouldn't say I'm exercising. You was, if anything, you probably think I'm a couch potato, the opposite of an athlete. So I don't see how you can call esports sports 
Because if I was, you know, shooting hoops at the park, then you'd say I'm exercising. You'd say I'm getting out there, I'm getting fresh air, I'm getting my cardio in. You'd say I'm exercising. If I'm playing video games, whether it's inside or outside, you'd say, oh, I'm not exercising, I'm like relaxing. I think there's, that's what the difference is there. Um, so yeah, I don't think it's a sport and I don't think that's an insult. Um, and the last thing I wanted to talk about on the video games, shout out to the gamers, man. I've been talking a lot about this shit. But the last thing I want to talk about is Twitch and Ninja. If you don't know who Ninja is, I'm not talking about like the warrior soldiers from Japan. I'm talking about a white guy with blue hair named Ninja who also plays Fortnite. And he's like the biggest person on Twitch or he was and one of the biggest people on YouTube and he's like been on talk shows and all that stuff. Um and he plays Fortnite on Twitch and he's I don't I've never like seen his stuff, but I'm assuming that in addition to being like funny and charismatic, he's also really talented at the game. I don't think you get to the top of your Twitch field without being somewhat talented. And yeah, I don't know where the distinction is between Twitch streamer and professional video game player. Because Twitch streamers get money, but I don't know if you can consider themselves professional, but whatever. But anyway, Ninja said, or Ninja announced that he's leaving Twitch, the platform where you live stream video games, and he's going to another platform called Mixer. He signed a contract with Mixer to be um, exclusive to Mixer. And I've never heard of this Mixer platform before, but I think this is actually like a huge deal. Like I've been on the record saying I try out the Twitch thing and I'm not into it. I think it's inefficient. I think watching live streams for extended period of time is not an efficient use. And I would say live like being tired of Twitch is why I got into podcasts. Like I started listening to live streams or watching live streams as like background noise And I just found it to be horribly inefficient and it didn't work. So I switched over to podcasts and I really enjoy podcasts now. Um, But yeah, I just think it's inefficient. So I'm not going to be watching Ninja on Twitch or on Mixer just because I don't think it's a good use of my time. But I think this is like a huge deal in terms of competition. Like I've never heard of this platform before, but somehow they have the money to make Ninja exclusive to the platform. And I don't know much about like the Twitch community. All I know is that it, there is a tendency in Twitch to have like, um, for lack of a better word, I don't like throwing around the word toxic, but I feel like sometimes like the chat room in Twitch can be toxic from what I've heard. And the Twitch community isn't always the best. And there's a lot of um, harassment on Twitch. Um, but this new mixer thing signing the biggest guy on Twitch, like that can't be good for Twitch in like the short term at least. Like it might be good in the long run. There's a new number one after Ninja leaves, whenever his contract kicks in, there's a new number one and Twitch is fine. But taking the biggest guy from Twitch, putting on this platform mixer, taking assuming all of Ninja's fans from Twitch to Mixer. Like this is huge news and I think it's good in the long run for competition. Like I feel like all these things, YouTube, SoundCloud, Twitter, Facebook, they all need competition. Like that keeps it healthy, that keeps innovations growing. But it's just I thought it was just really interesting to see that the biggest guy on Twitch 
is just up and leaving for the right place price. I don't know exactly what that price is. I'm not going to like, you know, say, oh, pocket watch ninja or whatever. But it's just crazy thing. I don't know, like maybe Twitch improves their product so that the next time someone gets as big as ninja, they don't um, they don't leave. <laughs> they, they stay with them. But anyway, let's enough about enough about esports. Enough about that. Let's talk about real sports for a second, um, because I wanted to talk about baseball. The trade deadline for 2019 just passed. Um, my team, the Giants, made some moves. They got Scooter Jeanette, um, who's an infielder. They got a couple of other pieces, and they traded away some relievers. Um, they increased their farm system, like their minor league system, which I'm really happy about because for a while... We had like a shitty minor league system. We didn't have a lot of talent there, a lot of major league talent anyway. Um, but I wanted to talk about the Giants, who they didn't trade, because people thought the Giants were going to trade Madison Bumgarner, who's our best starting pitcher. They thought they were going to trade Will Smith, who is our closer. We didn't trade either of those people. And I think it has to do more with emotions than anything. Um, and I talked about this last time, but like the Giants were bad and they started winning all of a sudden and people were having conflicting emotions about whether winning is good or bad, which is crazy. But I feel like there's emotions because Bumgarner is a fan favorite. Will Smith has become a fan favorite because he's been a good closer for us. Um, Will Smith hasn't been with a team that long. Madison Bumgarner has. Um, I think he, Madison Bumgarner has been with us for almost a decade I think maybe even more than a decade um it will be a decade by the time he's he's done with us but when I think about Madison Bumgarner and the love we have for him I can only think about Madison Bumgarner in comparison to Hunter Strickland if you don't know who Hunter Strickland is he used to play for the Giants he was a pitcher he threw really hard but he wasn't effective I don't even know what team he plays for anymore Hunter Strickland I'm actually looking it up right now he plays for the Nationals. So Hunter Strickland plays for the Nationals. He's about the same age as Bumgarner, but he wasn't as effective. But the reason why I compare those two is because they're both Southern and they played in San Francisco, right? San Francisco, famously, the opposite of Southern, right? And I feel like we loved, as, a, as Giants fans, we love Madison Bumgarner. We love... Buster Posey, who's also Southern. Matt Cain, who retired from Alabama. We we love those guys, right? But I feel like with Hunter Strickland, we were easy to turn on him because he was Southern in a way that Bay Area people could easily pounce on and say, we don't like that. Like, this isn't what our culture is. Whereas someone like Bumgarner, who is Southern and country and like has cows on his ranch and stuff. Like, that's an idea of the South that San Franciscans can get behind, and we like that. But when Hunter Strickland, who's country and more of a, like, I like guns type of way, we don't like we don't like that. So we were happy to see him go, even though he was part of, like, the playoff runs and all that stuff. Madison Bumgarner, of course, played a bigger role, and that plays bigger on the emotions. And he's been way more effective in his career than Hunter Strickland has been. But... Like Madison Bumgarner has is more like cattle on the ranch country and Hunter Strickland was like American sniper country. And I feel like in San Francisco in the Bay Area, we 
are easy to reject that American sniper country, and we're easy to accept the the I you know bail hay type of country, and I think that plays a lot of a part in the emotions of keeping Madison Bumgarner, and there's also the emotions of having one last playoff run for Bruce Bochy, who's the manager of the Giants, who's going to retire at the end of the season. I don't think anyone thinks we're going to win the World Series, but making a playoff run in the last season of your career, like, you can't ask for anything more, I don't think. Um, So that's good. I hope we make the playoffs. As of right now, I think the Giants have like an 8% chance of making the playoffs, which is not high whenever you think about it, but... We are still believing, and they won today as we're recording. So who knows? You never know. You got to believe to get to the playoffs, and I hope they do. Um, get to the playoffs, send Bruce Bochy off with a smile, and go from there. Uh, also, there was a lot of trades at the deadline. Like Yasiel Pui got traded. Tre- Trevor Bauer got traded. Um, Marcus Stroman got traded. A lot of people got traded. It was like a record for trades. Um, But I wanted to talk about Trevor Bauer and Amir Garrett just because they had outbursts. And I love baseball outbursts. And I think that baseball is showing more emotion sometimes this season. Like at points, like the emotion and the fights have been really good. Um, Trevor Bauer, when he was playing for Cleveland, he plays for Cincinnati now um, because he got traded. He did this thing earlier this week where the coach uh, manager was going to pull him from the game he wasn't being effective and instead of giving the manager the ball which is tradition he just turned around he threw the ball 300 feet over out over the center field wall and I don't like Trevor Bauer like his attitude and personality makes it easy to dislike him and I had a good laugh at the outburst that Trevor Bauer did And if you saw the video, which is on Twitter somewhere, and you also don't like Trevor Bauer, like it's easy to make fun of that person in that action and that childish outburst when it was. But one thing that I will give Trevor Bauer credit, and this might be the only time I give Trevor Bauer credit because I don't like his personality. I don't like his attitude. He's a very annoying person and I feel like he's been annoying his whole life, but It was impressive to just turn around on a dime and throw that ball 300 feet over the wall. Impressive. I'll never knock you for the talent. Trevor Bauer admittedly can pitch. I do like it when he he loses because I don't like that dude. I don't like his personality. So when something bad happens on the field to Trevor Bauer, like he gives up a home run, it's like, oh, Trevor Bauer got owned. I like that. But I won't. I can't knock him for showing emotion, and I can't knock him for his talent. And also during that game, it was his career high in runs given up, like his career high, or his career worst game. Like he gave up seven runs, which is the highest amount of runs he's ever given up. And I was thinking, like that's actually pretty good. Like if you've only given up seven runs as your maximum because a lot of baseball players they have like the one outlier that's like nine ten or something like that but only seven ones like usually you're that means most of the time you're giving up probably like five or less five isn't good like a quality start is considered three or less so five isn't good like if your era is five 
that's bad. But to say that seven is your career high and you're just now getting it, that's pretty good. Like, I'm not going to knock Trevor Bauer for his talent. But I will say I don't like him. And Trevor Bauer, I don't know if he's still making new episodes of this, but he had like a podcast type situation, like a conversation type situation with, you know, players around the league and telling stories about baseball and stuff like that. And part of me wants to check it out because it's a good idea. But part of me is also like, I hate that the guy that I don't like has a good idea and is executing it in a way that I'm interested in. It's conflicting. So I haven't checked out Trevor Bauer's web series yet, but he's on Cincinnati now. And we'll see how how well he turns out over there. It's crazy. He went from Ohio to like the other side of Ohio. But anyway, we also had Amir Garrett, excuse me, who plays for Cincinnati, who it's Trevor Bauer's new team. And they got into a fight with Pittsburgh and it was crazy. Amir Garrett, who is a pitcher, he tried to fight the entire Pittsburgh Pirates team. And I don't have much to say about it. I just want to say that when baseball fights are good, they're good. And it is, you know, telling that you you are allowed to fight in baseball to a certain extent. Like, it doesn't happen in other sports where, like, the demographics are different. Like, hockey, you're allowed to fight. What are the demographics of hockey? Mostly white. Baseball ha- is not 100% white or 90% white. But there's a lot of white people that play baseball. Flip the script. Majority of football teams are black nowadays. Majority of basketball teams are black. So what are the rules on fighting? How often do we see fights in the NBA and the NFL? We don't see them as much and they get shut down pretty quickly. Um, so I will, I feel like, you know, sportsmanship is overrated and I wish we saw some more passion and arguments and fighting because a good like street fight is fun. I don't really watch boxing or wrestling or MMA, but I like a good I like a good team sports fight. And I feel like baseball is the perfect the perfect mix that gives it to us. It's not like a full out fist fight like in hockey, like the whole team gets involved and there's like one or two punches thrown and people run in from the bullpen and it's all glorious. And in that game, in that Reds and Pirates fight, the coach got like slammed to the ground. The coach for the Reds, I believe, just got like, you know, like pinned down. And like when the coach gets in the fight, you t- it just makes it more hilarious to me. But I just was like, I was... Like fighting at the at its core isn't good, you know, but it's fun to watch in baseball terms. But anyway, moving on, I wanted to talk a little bit about new sports teams to follow because I've decided the WNBA, I'm just going to root for everyone except LA. There's no Bay Area team, so I'm just going to root for every WNBA team except for the Sparks. But I recently watched um, a NWSL game, the Women's Soccer League, and I think I'm going to put my support behind Utah, the Utah Royals, because like for the Major League Soccer, like I have to root for the San Jose Earthquakes. Like that's just how it is. Like the San Jose Earthquakes are my team. That's the Bay Area's team. And it's not like an Oakland, San Francisco thing. It's 
you know, San Jose is supposed to represent the entire Bay Area. But I think I'm going to root for the Utah Royals. I saw the game. It was Royals versus North Carolina. And I was thinking, like, I think there's a Portland team. There's a Portland uh, soccer team. And I don't think there's, like, really anything else close to California. And I might be, I might split my allegiance between the Utah Royals and the Portland Thorns. But I think that's what I'm going to have to do. I'm not saying that I'm the number one National Women's Soccer League fan now. But I like to throw my support behind certain teams when I get into them. Like, I support Southampton FC in the Premier League because I just watched a game from them. And my roommate really likes soccer. And I'm like, cool, that's my team. And I think Utah Royals are going to be my team. And maybe Portland Thorns are going to be my secondary team. I don't think I have to root for every team like I'm doing in the WNBA. But I think that's what I'm going to do. And then the next league where I have to find a team is the the Canadian Football League, the CFL. I haven't decided on that yet. But there's only nine teams in that league. So... Maybe next by next week I'll have a team, but I think that's the next league that I have to tackle. But Utah Royals, uh, and they have Kristen Press, and I like Kristen Press. That's all there is to it. I've become a fan of Kristen Press over the years. I know the Orlando Pride has Alex Morgan. We all know that everyone loves Alex Morgan. I think I'm a Kristen Press fan. I think that's what it's going to be. I'm going to throw my support behind Kristen Press and anything that she does. Um, but anyway, enough of that. Enough enough sports, enough esports, enough anything like that. I want to talk about politics, but maybe not the politics that you think I'm going to talk about. First, there was a story where Lil Nas X and Pete Buttigieg, Mayor Pete, were going to collab on an Old Town Road video and Lil Nas X denied it because he didn't want to throw his support behind any particular candidate. And I don't think it was like Mayor Pete's idea to collab. It sounded like it was BuzzFeed's idea to collab. But the the title said Lil Nas X rejected Pete Buttigieg. So there's no way that that dude can win now. There's no way. Like that's like seeing that Lil Nas X rejected Mayor Pete, that's enough to ruin his whole campaign. I never thought that dude was going to be president anyway. Maybe next time for that dude, but he's never going to win now because Lil Nas X rejected him. And that just looks so embarrassing, even if it was, you know, clickbait or the media spun in a certain way, any of that. But there's no way he can win after that. And if you didn't see that and I just told you, I just told you, he's never going to win. Lil Nas X rejected him. The Old Town Road guy rejected him. So America is going to reject him. But I didn't watch the debates at all. (laughs) Um, I'm not going to lie about that. I saw like a couple clips on Twitter, but I'm not tuning into the debates. I feel like most of the debates isn't worth my time. Like anything that's important is going to be clipped out and put on YouTube, and put on Twitter for me to see. And then the rest of it is just a personality contest and arguing at the end of the day. So I feel like I don't need to watch however long a debate is. I'm just going to be on my phone scrolling through Twitter anyway. So And like debates are good for, you know, memes. And they're good, I guess, if you want to be informed. But I feel like you don't need to watch the whole thing to be informed. But 
I was thinking about two candidates. First is Tulsi Gabbard. I don't know much about Tulsi Gabbard's politics. I don't know anything about that. I'm not here to talk about her policy. I'm here to say that I don't think America is ready for a hot female president. Like we had Obama and Obama is handsome. Tulsi Gabbard is very attractive. She's a very, very beautiful woman. I'll never take that away from her. But I feel like as a country, knowing how sexist people can be and also how horny people can be, I don't know if we can have a a hot woman as a president at this time. Like, I'm thinking like if Tulsi Gabbard is president, I don't know how well she's polling or anything like that. Can you imagine like we have a president and then all the replies on Twitter are just talking about like sending feet pics or like talking about how hot she is and like not caring about what the policy is. Like, and I don't know a lot of these people's policies. Like, I don't really know what Mayor Pete's about. I don't know what Beto's doing that much. I don't know really that much. I feel like the the real people, the real competitors are going to rise to the top eventually. And there's so many candidates. So like, still, like, Bill de Blasio is still running. And he's polling, I think, at 0%. Like, we don't need to hear all these people speak right now. Like, go run for the Senate or whatever. But I just feel like, like, can you imagine, like, we have a president, and our president is, like, a five out of five on WikiFeet, and that's all people care about? I don't think, like, I think America right now, at this, in this culture on the internet, we're a little too sexist, and we're a little too horny to have someone who's uh, both hot and a woman be president. I want a woman president. Don't take this to say that I don't think women can be president. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about everybody else. I'm a good person. I'm talking about every single other person that's stinky in a butthead who's going to talk about Tulsi Gabbard's looks over her politics. Because we, we had handsome presidents. Obama was handsome. I'm sure there have been other handsome presidents but I don't know if we're re- if America is ready for it. I don't know if America can handle the power that is a powerful politician, the most powerful politician, and also someone who's incredibly beautiful and also someone who's a woman. I don't know if American can handle that right now. Um, but yeah, I don't know anything about a policy, so I don't know if I should vote for her or not. Um, but anyway, that's just one thought I had. The second thought is Marianne Williamson. I don't know much about her either. All I know is the memes. And she apparently is like really spiritual and hippie and like into witchcraft and all that stuff and really funny. And she's good for memes. But you know who else was good for memes? Donald Trump. No one took Donald Trump seriously until it became serious. And I feel like that might happen with Marianne Williamson. No one's taking her seriously. And then people actually start liking her and people start taking her seriously. And then she ends up being a big contender. I can see that happening. But again, I can only assume that Marianne Williamson is a witch because all I know about her are memes on Twitter and not any of her actual policies. All I know is she's talking about like dark energy and like psychic energy and shit like that. So I don't know. But anyway, last thought on politics is Kamala Harris or Kamala Harris. And this doesn't have to do with the debate. 
Kamala Harris put out um like a statement saying that if she is president, she would forgive Pell Grants. She would implement a program to forgive Pell Grants if or not forgive Pell Grants. That's a misspeaking. Forgive people who received Pell Grants, forgive their student loans. So if you took out a Pell Grant, which means you don't have a lot of money and you also had to take out a student loan because you don't have any money, so you need the Pell Grant and the loan, she would forgive the loan. You don't have to forgive Pell Grants because grants are free money. Um, I was just sorry. It's, it's 1230 in the morning. I might misspeak a couple times. But she said, if you are a Pell Grant recipient, you took out student loans, you graduate, you start a business in an underserved area, and you run that business for three years, I'll forgive your student loans. Now, I'm an education professor, professional. I have been working with high school students, getting them to college for years. And I know like, if you are a Pell Grant recipient, that means that your estimated family contribution is less than $1,000, which means that you don't have a lot of money to spend on college. That's what that means. If you don't have money, you take out that Pell Grant, which isn't a whole lot of money to begin with because like, you can get like a $1,000 Pell Grant. If you take out that Pell Grant, you still have student loans. You have all, these, all this debt. What makes you think that you can start a business when you're in debt from school and your family doesn't have money? Like, what type of business are you talking about, Kamala Harris? In an underserved community where no one else is wealthy, supposedly, that's what you're assuming. You're assuming that you want to go to a poorer area and help that community, which means those people are probably eligible for the Pell Grant themselves. Like, these people don't have money. You don't have money, and you expect to start a business in a place where there isn't a lot of money. And I think that uh, all that stuff aside, and I don't know uh, everything about Kamala as well, we need to get rid of this idea that you're only worthy of getting your loans forgiven if you are exceptional. Like, you should get your loans forgiven because you are a person, and Loans are predatory and they're holding down an entire generation of people. Like instead of saying that only the best are going to get their student loans waived, we need to rethink the student loan system. As a college advisor, I can say that kids not going to the school that they want to is almost certainly money being a factor. Money is a factor in all those things. So it's like, oh, Stanford costs too much. Harvard costs too much. UC Berkeley costs too much. And they have to figure out how they're going to pay for these schools. And like, I don't agree with like having free college or getting rid of student loans cheapens the degree. I wholeheartedly agree with that. What you're saying when you say that, what it hears like what I what I hear when you say that free college means that the degree is less valued, it means that the degree is less pow- valued because a poor person has it. And that's classism and I don't rock with that. But I don't think that we need to say only the exceptional people are getting their student loans recovered. 
Like, we need to rethink the system. Why are so many people pinned down? Like, not just poor people, middle class people, upper middle class people are pinned down by thousands of dollars student loans. We need to rethink that entire system. That's that's all I want to say. I don't agree with Kamala Harris. Basically, she said, we'll forgive your student loans if you got a Pell Grant, if you start a business, run that business for three years, even though you don't have any fucking money to begin with. Like, that doesn't make any sense. But I, I, I just think that she needs to rethink that strategy and rethink how student loans are affecting people. Um, but anyway, real quick, two more things. I want to talk about social media for a second. And then I have a couple of questions to answer, which is fun because people actually give a shit about what I have to say, which is great. Um, but anyway, I want to talk about Instagram again and if you've been listening for a recent, there's a girl I have a crush on on Instagram. I'm not necessarily talking about her today, although she is still great and fabulous. Thanks for asking. Um, I was talking, I was thinking about Instagram's close friends list. And I tweeted this out on my personal account because Instagram has a feature for close friends where you can have a private story only for people you select instead of a public story for everyone. I'm sure I'm sure if you have Instagram, you know this. And I don't have a close friends list. I haven't made it yet. And I think that the whole concept of the close friends is entirely too stressful for me. Because I have concerns that if I create a close friends list, I have to make sure that the people on my close friends list consider me a close friend as well. Which means that if I really, like, if it was actually my literal close friends, there would only be five to ten people. And I don't see the fun in having, like, five to ten people view your story. Like, only, like, getting less than ten views doesn't seem fun to me. Um, But if it's, like, 50 people, then it's a party, right? And then it could be fun. But if I add 50 people to my close friends list, like, they might be like, who the fuck is this guy? This guy is not my close friend. I don't want to be on the close friends list. And if I do make a close friends list, a girl that I have a crush on is definitely going in there. And because she's going in there, I need to add a whole bunch of people so that it doesn't seem like I think that we are more than friends because all we are right now is friends. But I just think that like the pressure of deciding who's a close friend and seeing if they reciprocate that feeling of being a close friend is like that's stressful for me. <laughs> I I I don't I don't want to do that right now. And eventually I feel like I'm going to make a close friends list and maybe even do a close friends story cuz I know like of the people I follow on Instagram, I know like four or five people have me on their close friends, so I'd have to put them in my close friends, which I'm fine with because they are my actual close friends. Um but other people like if you're not in their close friends list, like you don't know if they have a close friends list or not. So I could add someone to my clo- their my close friends list and I'm not on theirs. I feel like that's awkward. But eventually I'll put that on there. But <clears throat> I just think it's like a stressful idea. I tweeted that out, but I've I don't know if anyone else feels the same other than like the one person who retweeted that. But yeah, it's just like it's causing me stress when it shouldn't be because it's fucking Instagram and Instagram is stupid anyway. But 
it's something that I've been thinking about for a long time. Like ever since I created the close friends feature, I've been thinking about it and I shouldn't have. But now that I've said it out loud, maybe it'll go away. But now for the last thing that I want to talk about, and I'll, I'll close up with the final thoughts, but my podcast has a Twitter account. It's at what is a underscore podcast. And I have over 100 followers. So I tweeted out kind of like a heat check, a heat check. I said, since I have 100 followers, I'm thinking about doing some question and answers. Reply to this with any questions. And if no one replies to this, I'll delete this and it'll be like nothing ever happened. Right. So I tweeted that out. I wasn't expecting really anything because like, I don't know how many people actually see the tweets on the podcast, Twitter account or anything like that. But I got three questions, which is great. I do a whole series on my YouTube channel where I take other people's questions because I'm not famous enough to get my own questions. And now, like, enough people give a shit about me where they want they ask me a question, which is great. That's really, really great. Like, it makes me happy that people actually gave me questions because I was actually kind of nervous about sending that out, which is why I said I would delete it if no one replied to it. But people replied to it, which is great. But I have three questions or three replies to the tweet that I'm going to get into. Um, the first one is from Guy Party at Guy Party Pod on, um, on Twitter, Guy Party Pod. And they said, what's your favorite beer? And me, my favorite beer right now is Modelo, whether that's the regular Modelo or the Modelo Negra. Um, that's my go-to beer. Um, I like Mexican beer. I've learned in my time. I'm 24, so it is legal for me to drink beer. But I've learned, like, when I was a kid, like, when I was a freshman in college, I didn't drink beer. None of my friends liked beer. We were drinking, like, Jägermeister and Hennessy and E&J and, like, vodka, all that shit. Once I turned like 21, there were two things that happened. One, I was tired of getting hangovers and all that stuff. Two, there was a girl I like who drank beer. So I wanted to impress her. So I started drinking beer and I landed on Modelo as being like the perfect beer. Like it's not like the fanciest beer or anything like that. It's not like an IPA or nothing like that. It's a solid beer good for the price. You can drink it whenever. It tastes good. I did just buy some Bud Light micheladas that I want to try on camera because I haven't had those before, mostly because I don't like tomatoes. So I don't know if I'm going to like the Bud Light michelada, but I did, did just buy that and hopefully I'll get a video drinking that live on camera because that's what people like and that's what I like. Um, we'll do that maybe soon. Um, but yeah, definitely Modelo. I like Mexican beer. Um, even PBR is great. Like I think PBR is probably the best value beer. Um, and there's also, there's like a Newcastle IPA that I like. Um, it's called like, is I think it's just called Newcastle, like IPA. Um, but yeah, I like, I like that one. Um, yeah, you just get it at your, I got, I haven't drank it in a while, but I used to get it at like Stater Bros and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, that's my favorite beer. And I will be drinking a Bud Light Michelada soon, so I'll see how I like that. Um, anyway, next one 
is from Cooking with Grief podcast at Cooking with Grief. And I'm allowed to say their name because they're on Twitter and it's public. And they say, what is a podcast anyway? And I don't know what a podcast is. This is a podcast. Cooking with Grief is a podcast. I mean, the reason why I called this What is a Podcast is because I wanted to start a podcast and I didn't know what to call it. I'm still working on like fun names. Like I always think that if I ever get with like a head gum or an ear wolf, I would still have this podcast, What is a Podcast on the side. I'd still have this. But then I would create a new podcast to be on the network, um, like a head gum or an ESPN or anything like that. And I don't know what I would call that. I think something to do with linguistics, because that's what I majored in, and something to do with me. Like, my name is Tanzel, so like maybe time, tea time with Tanzel, Tanzel time, I don't know. Um, but I, I'm, I'm still working on that. But a podcast, you know, is, is people talking, is people having fun, is people playing games, is people learning about new things and reinforcing their beliefs about old things. We talk about anything from sex to politics to sports to fucking video games. Talking about your life and your experiences and your thoughts and opinions. It's like radio, but anyone can do it. And as far as I know, I'm the only person with the name What Is A Podcast, which is shocking to me. I'm sure someone else has had this name or tried out this name, but maybe they're inactive. I don't know. Um, but if you do have the name What Is A Podcast and you're upset about me having the name, feel free to send me a message and um, we can you know, put on the boxing gloves and we can fight. And whoever wins the fight will have the rights to the name What Is A Podcast. And I, I think that's pretty fair. Anyway, last one from Odd Pod Squad at Odd Pod Squad. What do you aim to bring and what are your short and long term goals? I feel like my short and long term goals are both the same. Like, just have fun with this. Like, I just want to talk. I want to get my thoughts out. I want to talk about my opinions. Um, it's a, a the last episode I did, I said, this is for me first and you second. And I don't mean that as an insult to you, but I want to get my, I want to express myself first. And that's what this is, is self-expression and what I see in the world and how I navigate through the space that is the world. And I'm not the most informed on anything. And I try to make it clear when I'm not informed on things to say that I'm not informed on things. But or at least not fully informed on things, but to get my opinions and thoughts out there and try not to make mistakes, but we all make mistakes. Hannah Montana said that. And what do I aim to bring? If you like me, if even if I'm talking about the same thing that someone else is talking about, if you like me, if you think that I'm funny in any way or interesting in any way or smart in any way, that that's cool. Like I don't need to be popular. I don't need to be famous. But if someone likes what I do, and I do get good comments on like my YouTube channel and stuff like that, if you like what I do, like that's very, very important. important to me that people, it's not important to me that everyone likes what I do, but it's important that people find pleasure in you know, the content that's on the internet. Because I kind of like in the past, I've rejected like the whole social media is toxic and bad for your mental health thing. But there is a lot of negative shit in the media and a lot of like 
you know, depressing things on social media. So if you find any type of enjoyment in what I'm doing, like that's great. And that's all I could ever ask for. Like the fact that you gave a shit to respond and say that you want to know what my short and long-term goals are, like that's amazing to me. It really is. Um, so that's basically what, what I want to want to bring is just if my opinions and hopefully you like it, that that's what it is at the end of the day. And now thank you for the questions. Um, maybe I'll do this again. Maybe I'll get more questions or less questions, but since I got a hundred followers on Twitter, I thought I would do it, but I just want to leave on one final thing, one final thought. I have seen a couple of things on the internet recently, but the biggest one was like a New York Post article about being a millennial without a kid at Disneyland is weird and you shouldn't be at Disneyland without a kid. And I just want to say, if you find yourself hating on someone for enjoying themselves and having fun, maybe you need to rethink why you're hating on them. Because all they're doing is enjoying themselves and not harming anyone. So why are you hating? Even if it's not something that you're into, like you might not be into Fortnite. But if all they're doing is enjoying themselves and having fun playing Fortnite, why are you hating on them playing Fortnite? Stop hating on people for having fun. And I think that your life and your mindset will be a lot healthier that way. But that's all. That's all I want to talk about. We are doing it late at night. I was nervous about recording late at night. I started this at like 1130-ish, um, and I was worried that I'd be too tired to do it, but we did it. We did it. We pushed through all gas, no breaks. So thank you for listening. Thank you for watching on YouTube. Um, please be safe. I love and appreciate you. Goodbye. <laughs>